Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Well, good morning. How you doing today, Jeff? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, uh, we're in the midst of spring. <laughs> I woke up this morning. It may morning. not feel like yeah, it, but we're in the midst of it. On the way over here, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a beautiful day. And my car says 32. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Maybe I, I miscalculated there. So, well, we are coming. Uh, we're, we're recording today on what should be not only a national holiday but an True. international oh, holiday. Yes, yes. Today is opening day of yeah. Major League Baseball. What's your fondest memory of opening day baseball? So, my fondest memory for a period of nine years, I went to opening day at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Mm. Every single one of those years. Wow. Now, it wasn't always necessarily opening day. It was whatever their home opener was. Yeah. But for several of those, four or five of those, nine, mm. it was, you know, actual opening day. And uh, part of that was while I was living there. Yeah, yeah. But two or three of those years were times when I was not living there. So you had to travel there. Oh, it was crazy. In fact, one time I had a, a buddy of mine, uh, Jay Sandbloom, uh, who's from the Olathe area, and he and I were in school in the Chicago area at the time, and we looked at each other. We're like, "Man, we like we really want to go opening day." Like, we're both big time <laughs> Royals fans. Everything, you know. We had a we had a a thing one day, so we left as soon as class was done. We drove straight there mm. all night. Mm-hmm. Got there. It was like a Early afternoon start or whatever to the game, right? Usually are, right, yeah. So we go to the game. We turn around. We drive straight through back mm. so that we can be back for classes and, wow. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, things like that. First of all, you do those things when you're young because oh, yeah. you can. You know, mm. you don't have all the other attachments and stuff, which is nice. But uh, but that's the kind of stuff that, you know, for me is just, you know, you, you look back at all with those really fond memories. What about you? What's what's your well, best opening day? Yeah, I don't know that I have a real. I mean, I got I have some memories on opening day, but first things, I've never been to an opening day game. Okay, actually, I've been to very few actual live Major League Baseball games. I could probably count them on maybe one hand, but just above one hand. So okay. very few games in general that I that I go to. Um, but I remember back in the day. Uh, you know, when I was big into baseball on opening day, you know, I would be texting my buddy saying, hey, did you see so-and-so got promoted? Because this is before the act- activation of everyone knew everything a sure. minute after it happened. So you didn't know who the new crew chiefs were until mm-hmm. until opening day happened. Oh, sure. so-and-so got promoted to crew chief. 
because the crew chief would be on the plate for opening day. So that was always a fun time, you know, sure. we'd be calling each other and watching, you know, every game imaginable before MLB network, you know, so we were just trying to flip them all. So, but my, I guess, it's, I don't know if it's a fondest memory, but my biggest memory about opening day was when John McSherry died on opening day. Mm. Yeah. He, you know, he was working the plate and it was, he was only a few pitches into it, I think. And he collapsed. So that was a big memory for me. And, um, they didn't end up not playing that game that day. I think they ended up canceling that game and postponing it until the next day. So that was a big memory for me, you know, big news, you know. Oh, sure. So, but uh, opening day, I agree, very easily could be a, a major holiday. Um, if if we can we can make other major holidays uh, <laughs> like um, Careful Kazmir Pulaski Day, you know, in <laughs> Illinois, you know, we're like, oh, no one's got to go to school because of Pulaski. Uh, I think then we all should be allowed to watch Major League Baseball that day. Yeah, it's good stuff. You yeah. at least get a, a free pass if you have to call in, you know. Yeah. You know? At the baseball flu. Sorry about that. Well, yeah, even if it, you know, listen, most games on opening day are starting in the afternoon. That's right. Let me at least leave it lunch, you mm-hmm. know, or let me at least have it on in the office or whatever. So, uh, and I remember in school opening day, you know, our baseball coach would have a TV somewhere hooked up in the classroom so we could watch whatever game was on. So it was, it's a big deal. I think it oh, is. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my wife this morning and, you know, it's within, funny that you were talking to her. Or yeah, it you is said funny. something funny while you were talking. No, no. Okay. <laughs> well, it is funny that I was talking to her and not just listening. <laughs> and she says, well, the, on the news, they were talking about the new rules, you know, and yep. they said, you know, the the time of a baseball game in spring training has gone down to about two and a half hours. Yeah. Where in the past, they've been, you know, three plus. And I'm like, and I said to her, and I said, well, you know, a, an NFL football game is three hours. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't shrinked that up at all. And she looks at me, she goes, well, there's a big difference between 16 games and 160. I'm like. How do you know that? <laughs> how, do you, how do you know those things? <laughs> and she's like, I watch TV. I'm I'm educated. I know what's going on. I'm like, all right, my fault. But she's right. But the 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 pace of game is gonna be a huge sure. improvement because there is less action. Um, there's a lot more action in a three-hour football game than there is in a for sure. three-hour baseball game. And yeah. even in that three-hour football game, you've got half time in there. Mm-hmm. You got those you know, there's a chance Big for people breaks. to get up mm-hmm. and go take a break and mm-hmm. do whatever. It's it's yeah. a very different game. I will tell you, you know, in my college season so far, for the most part, uh, our new implementation of the action clock mm-hmm. uh, is making a difference at the college level. Um and I have had some ridiculously long games mm-hmm. <clears throat> that had nothing to do though with the pace of play. Yeah. You know, I had a three-hour and 40-minute game, but there were 13 pitchers in that game and a final score of 16-15 that went right. a full nine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, yeah. there's some things like that that you can't control. But I've had other games that were, you know, a full nine and 225. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the, at the college level, that's, that's pretty impressive. I think so. And, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, it wasn't scheduled to start work until April 1st. And, that's right. Uh, a good friend of mine named Chad Ozzy <laughs> says, "Hey, would you be willing to work a couple days sooner?" You know, it, that's the that's the uh, downfall with you knowing that's right. that my basketball season's <laughs> over because I'm sitting around in my cutoff blue jeans and flip flops. You know, he's like, "Hey, you want to work?" I'm like, "Golly!" So anyway, I ended up working on Tuesday. Yeah, and it was a 
scheduled for a nine. Yeah. And this was my first uh, action clock type mm-hmm. game. So, um, and we ended up knocking out 11 innings yeah. in just over three hours. So, yeah. yeah, with a lot of runs, with, you know, 25 mm-hmm. plus runs scored, uh, multiple errors. So, it was a uh, definitely a refreshing to know that 11 inning ball game doesn't have to be a four hour ball game. Yeah. Yeah, it's, nice it's good stuff. And, you know, speaking of opening day, a lot of the guys that are baseball umpires who listen to this podcast um, are from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. We know there are some of our listeners from other places, too. But a lot of those guys in the Midwest either work for or are aware of somebody named Matt Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt used to live up in the Wisconsin area and then in Chicago area. He assigns. Uh, from Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska and Wisconsin and Illinois. I mean, he's all, all over the place throughout the Midwest and uh, a lot at the D3 level, a little bit at the NAI level over in uh, some of those uh, Western states from here. And uh, Matt is on his way. Actually, he drove there last night. He's on his way to Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City mm. for opening day today. Except... He's wearing the wrong jersey Uh-oh. at the game today. He's wearing a Minnesota Twins mm-hmm. jersey at the game. Yeah, and so fighting words. I had to I had to walk a very fine line because I still work a lot of games for Matt and yeah. assign with Matt and mm-hmm. all that kind of good stuff. And so I told him I said, "Well, I know you're gonna have a great time because you're at the K and it's a great ballpark to see a game and." All that kind of stuff, you know. But I said, I, I will be adamantly cheering against you <laughs> <laughs> in the course of that game. I will not be rooting for you <laughs> That's at all. right. right. <laughs> I need you to come home with a loss. That's yeah. what I need. Yeah. I need you to come home with a loss. A great experience. He's going to go to the game with his brother, which is great. That's cool. Uh, but, uh, but and he's a Twins fan, loss. I'm guessing? He's a Twins fan. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yep. So uh, kind of neat that it was close enough to where he lives that he could, you know, take a couple days off and get to go see his team on opening day. And, you know, if he has to see his team lose, at least he gets to see his team. So, you know, that's that's what we're hoping for today. <laughs> Golly. That's rough action. Hey, man, got 161 more games. He can, he can win a lot of those. You know, right. Just not opening day. Just not give, this give me one opening day. So if you're Chicago, so I know you, you know, you live in Illinois and I know yep. you're a Kansas City fan, but if you had to pick, would it be Cubs or Sox? Uh, if I had to pick, it would be Sox. Mm. And the reason why is because then I, if I were was a season ticket holder for the Sox, I would get to see more Kansas City Royals play. <laughs> it's all about the <laughs> Kansas City Royals. Oh, wait. In fact, huh. we typically go, we typically go to a couple White Sox games a year. Mm-hmm. One is how quick and easy it is for us to get there. I mean, it's just super easy to get there. Uh, Two, we typically go when the Royals are in town. Yeah. So, you know, that makes sense. They're always going to play. Number three, and I hate to admit this because I think it may even be better than Kauffman Stadium, which is saying a lot, but the food at... The what is it guaranteed rate field yeah, or whatever so. they call yeah. it now yeah. at White Some Sox. bank that hasn't failed yet. Yeah, dude, the the food there is phenomenal. If yeah. if if you're going to a White Sox game and you're anywhere in this area, I will tell you if you go to the the concourse level. So sometimes you have to like, you know, wink at somebody before you go down a set of steps or whatever. Yeah. You go to the concourse level right behind home plate. There is a tamale stand. Mm. On that concourse level, that as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best things you can eat in a ballpark. A tamale? Anywhere. A tamale stand. It's like phenomenal. It is so good. I know it's weird. It's different. But it fits that area. Yeah, yeah. You know where that park is situated mm-hmm. and everything. And 
it's it's not like the regular concession people that come in to do it. Like they actually have it's a like a local oh, taco sure. place that comes mm-hmm. in and sets up for it and nice. all. And, oh, super good food. Yeah, when I bring my wife to a ball game and she wants a hot dog, mm-hmm. I mean it's a twenty minute affair. I mean, she is building and mustard and the ketchups and the pickles and the celery salt. And I mean, it's the whole thing. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to eat this hot dog. And I, if I got a hot dog, I'm like, just give me some mustard. You know, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she she likes to really build her own. <laughs> She's got the uh, build her own hot dog uh, dilemma that she does. And I'm like, we've missed three innings already. You know, the action <laughs> clock's going, man. We got to get to the game. She's like, all the action's right here. <laughs> That's right. So, but uh, one time we went to a ball game at Wrigley Field. It was a number of years ago. And someone had left a backpack. Oh. For whatever reason, right? Yep. Well, boy, did that draw some attention. Oh, yeah. If this was post 9-11, especially, I'm it sure. It was post 9-11. Yeah. You know, it sat there and sat there and sat there. And finally someone said, hey, is that your backpack? I'm like, no, it's not my backpack. And then they told an usher. And then next thing you know, they're all whispering in their ears. And they're mm-hmm. doing all these things. And, and here comes the the dog and multiple police, you know. Oh, yeah. We could have had a brawl on the field. And no one would have known. Because everyone, and I said to my wife, I said, if that dog sits down. I'm out of here. <laughs> I am gone, man. <laughs> and, you know, he looked up like, yeah, what's the big deal? This is just yeah. right backpack. And, you know, you never know how it works out. But, yeah, that was a fun oh, yeah? uh, Cubs, game, Cubs game. So, Isn't it funny, though, how we look at things, you know, differently in this day and age mm-hmm. with stuff like that? Uh, and I think it's actually going to kind of lead into a couple of things we're going to talk about today. I Just a couple days ago, <clears throat> I walked into Circle K because I get my – Polar Pop with my Sip and Save. Sip and Save, yeah. That's right. So I go in to get my Polar Pop, and there is a kind of a, a nylon. It looks kind of like a, a cross between a duffel bag and like a, a soft suitcase. But just like a, a cheap nylon bag <clears throat> sitting up by the front. And I glance around, so like kind of near the doors. So I glance around, and there's a guy that looks like maybe that's who it belongs to. Like maybe somebody that doesn't have regular housing that's like mm. carrying a lot of their belongings mm-hmm. and stuff in that or whatever, right? And they're like over by the roller hot dogs and stuff and all. So I don't think too much of it. I go, I get my Polar Pop, I do my thing. I walk back out, it's still there. I still see the guy around, but like the part of me is like, you know, I would think that person maybe would have a little closer eye on their stuff, yeah, you know, right. especially if that's, you know, a lot of what they've got, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to lose that or whatever. And I walked out and I drove away. And then all of a sudden I had like this massive, like guilt feel like, like what if that was mm. like, you know, some sort of device or something that somebody left there. And, you know, I walk out and thankful that I wasn't a part of that situation, but should I have said something, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure. So I, I don't know. I was like a half mile away. I turned around. I drove back. <laughs> to did the you? Gas. I did. I drove back, and that guy was was carrying it out the front Good. by that point. But you know, I mean, I don't know. Fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. I never would have thought yeah. of anything like that. You know? Oh yeah, somebody came in the store, didn't want to carry their bag around, so they mm-hmm. set it up by the front and did mm-hmm. their stuff and went and left. You know? Yeah. But it, it just is a. It, it's part of the world that we're in now, mm-hmm. and and it's just a little different. So speaking of the way that the world is now. You know, uh, we have we've started baseball. College baseball has been going strong. Um, Major League Baseball kicks off today. That lets people know when we're recording. Um, but we're also in the midst of the 
uh, NCAA basketball tournaments, you know, Final Four, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It is always exciting uh, when we see people that we know that are working deep into tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, on the women's side, at least, there's 11 phenomenal officials uh, who've been chosen to work the Final Four, and we'll be cheering for them far more than I'm cheering for any team. For sure. Uh, that's mm-hmm. left, you know, always cheering for them to knock it out of the park and, and do it the right way. It was really awesome. Uh, several of our listeners are familiar with Tim Daly. Yeah. And uh, Tim Daly got to work the Elite Eight mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had, a, had a great game. And uh, I did not get to see it when it happened. I went back and, and watched it later, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I tell you what, you talk about somebody that is just so smooth mm-hmm. on the court. I mean, Tim is so smooth. I mean, it looks like just nothing, nothing bothers him. He's unflappable. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Tim's backstory, then that's so amazing to know that that's where he's at, mm-hmm. you know, in his career and what he's been able to do uh, and all that. And so huge congratulations go out to Tim. I know there's several people listen to our podcast that that know Tim mm-hmm. and are connected to him, and uh, so if you've if if you were not aware that he worked the Elite Eight, man, this is a great time to to reach out and give him a congratulations. That kind of man, it's a, it's a pretty small group of people to get to work when, you, when you're talking that level of the tournament. When you're when you're talking about all the officials across the country. Oh my gosh, yes. Not just like oh, just the people that we know. No, no, we're talking yep. about every single one across the country, and he's 31 years. Yeah, I didn't realize that. And um, it's, what's interesting, I think it's kind of cool anyway. And Tim may think differently, but 31 years working Division One basketball, and the very first year he retires. So he's thinking, okay, I'm retired from education. Yeah, I'm gonna like you know maybe I don't say slow down, but I can you know pay attention to other things when I have some time off. And he goes so deep in the tournament. You yeah, know? he's like, man, just when you think you're gonna slow down. All of a sudden, something's about to blow up for you, and you do very, very well. So there's no doubt in my mind um, he was super excited about that opportunity and probably happy to get the call or the email for that opportunity, um, but well-deserved. I mean, he works works Elite Eight games in regular season. You know, it's not like he's – it's not like Tim's working in February the – as Jeff Cross does, the South Dakota State, you know, (laughs) uh, whatever, North Dakota State game. He's working top 25 matchups almost yeah. all of February. So that was a very, uh, I believe, uh, a very normal thing for him to do on that night. Yeah. And, you know, when I say, you know, kind of where our world is at, you know, when when we get to this level, some people want to nitpick who is working and who isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell you what, there is not an official out there working that doesn't deserve to be where they're at. Oh, for sure. Not a single one. <clears throat> now, we were talking earlier. You know, there's probably a pool of 50 or 60 people, you know, mm. that you could have put, you know, to be one of those 11. And I'm mm. sure it's exactly the same on the men's side, mm. right? I mean, that that pool may have been 200 deep. Mm. I, I don't know how many people, you know, like on the women's side that, you know, Penny really has access to to be able to, to grab for something like this. But the truth is you could probably interchange one of 50, 60 people and mm. – and nothing would change mm-hmm. as far as the quality of calls, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so it's it's not just the people that get chosen. It's just a reminder to me that as officials, we're really, really good at what we do. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really are. And, and I, I say we because I'm not just talking about those people at the top level. 
You know, when I look at uh, the National Junior College Championships happened this last week, mm -hmm. and I had a ton of the teams during the regular season that were playing in those championship games. <clears throat> and uh, and so I'm I'm watching, and I'm like, man, I, like, I know so many people that could have been working that game. Mm -hmm. Now, they choose regional officials, you sure. know, because of where it's at. But it, it was just remind. It's not like a sour grapes that the people that were working it were working it. It was a man. Isn't it awesome to know that on a regular basis, I get the opportunity to work with people that can work at that level. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you're a high school official, you know, not everybody gets chosen for the state finals. Right. But my guess is you work with people every season that are just as good as the people that work state finals. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you've brought it up multiple times. Some of those things are just kind of trophy case items, mm -hmm. you know, that you get to do or check off a list or whatever. Uh, but to me, it's it's just a really great reminder that we get the opportunity all throughout the season to work with people who are really, really good at what they do. Yeah, I think we lose sight of that. We lose sight of, you know, I'm going to go a couple different directions here. First thing is the frustrating part about that from an outsider looking in mm -hmm. is I can hear from whatever, a handful of officials and say, can you believe so-and-so's on the final four? Mm -hmm. This coming from a person who works 10 division one games. Oh uh, yeah. You got, you got, you're not that person. Yeah. If you're a past final four official and you go like, can you believe so-and-so? Then maybe I will listen to what you have to say. But and I remember this distinctly early in my career, when I first got made, when I first got picked up in the Big Ten. So many, not so many people, but there was a number of people that were questioning whether or not I belonged in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. That's just what they were doing, and it's not. And we've said this a hundred times, and we'll say it again. It's not the officials' fault that they're on the Final Four. Mm -hmm. They they're not going to say no. They're not going to say, listen, I think you know. This person over here that thinks I'm not good enough should be the one taking the job. That's just, they're just they're just taking the assignment because they were given it. So that frustrates me a lot. Mm -hmm. And two, I think, and I, I was very guilty of this. Um, I don't want to say early in my career, but there was a time in my career I was very guilty of this. Always keeping track of who was working and when they were working. Mm. So I was always worried about what they were doing, others were doing, not what I was doing. You know, so then I would spend this. So if I had, you know, four hours to spend on getting myself better and I spent three of those or two, even two of those hours complaining that I can't believe so-and-so, well, I just lost two hours of productivity there. Mm -hmm. So the the best thing I did for me whether it helped me get better or not, but it helped me phys or mentally. And that was, I wasn't worried about what other people were doing. When people would text me, hey, did you see, did you see, can you believe so-and-so was on the game? I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I, I'm busy, whatever it is, golf cart riding, boat riding, umpire in a baseball game. I'm busy with my life. I'm going to work on being better myself. Um, so that helped me so much more when someone get an, did get an assignment. And once you, at least for me, once I was able to come to terms with that, it became very glaring to me that other people were paying attention to what others were doing instead of themselves. And, I, and it just made me think, oh, well, what are they saying about me when they see me on a game? Yeah. 
What are they saying about me? So it happens a lot. And those are some things that I think we need to, you know, uh, be very conscious of when we speak and when we speak about others because they are putting in the work just like anyone else is. And if you really want to elevate your game, quit worrying about what the other officials are doing. Worry about what you're doing. That's right. <clears throat> I, uh, I have noticed a couple things over these, you know, last few weeks as, um, as the baseball season, the, the major league baseball season has begun to get closer and closer and closer. One of the really neat things that's happened is I have seen former pro umpires, maybe guys that got cut after single A, mm-hmm. maybe guys that got cut after double A. I know a ton of guys that got cut after triple A. I have friends of mine who've worked hundreds of major league baseball games as a triple A umpire, mm-hmm. but never got a full number in major league baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. And when they've been watching guys in spring training, I see so many of them on social media positively talking about the guys that are there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not running them down. They're not, I can't believe they got this opportunity, whatever, right? The other day, I was at uh, a junior college baseball field. In fact, I'm going to be at that exact same junior college baseball field today working with somebody, oh yeah, who's sitting across the table from me right now. <laughs> I get to work with Jeff today. And... It's not April first yet, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Okay, you so might regret it. You two might regret two it. games, <laughs> two games in before April first, but <laughs> going to be there. And a kid that used to pitch on that junior college yeah. baseball team not only got an invite to spring training, but he's going to be in the opening rotation mm-hmm. for the Atlanta Braves. Yep. And then here's a really cool thing for a kid from Central Illinois. This kid grew up. Uh, not far from like Champaign, that kind of area, right? He, his very first Major League Baseball start, if everything goes according to plan and the way the rotation is set out and they don't have rainouts or whatever, is going to be at St. Louis mm. on April 4th, I believe. So all the fam, all the friends, all the everybody, right? Yep. They, they're going to get to be close to home. I have a feeling a bunch of them would have traveled no matter where it would have been. Sure. You know, but now mm. it makes it even easier for family yeah. friends. He spent his last two years of college at Southeast Missouri State. Again, not far from St. Louis. Got a ton of friends from that area. They're going to be there at that ball game you know, to watch him pitch. And uh, I was talking with their, the pitching coach from the junior college where he started. And uh, I said, you know, man, this is it. You just got to be thrilled. He goes, yeah. I said, not only because he's a great player, but I mean, he is such a great guy. Mm-hmm. You know, just talking about just the the personal qualities of this young man that's done this. And mm-hmm. he and I even talked about a couple things that you could tell when this kid was really young that just set him apart. When when he was at that particular junior college, he was not head and shoulders above everybody else as far as his ability at the time. Mm-hmm. But his ability to shrug off a bat at bat, because at that time he was a two-way player. Shrug off a bat at bat and the next time up, like it never happened. Or have an absolutely horrible inning on the mound and come back out for the next inning like it was his first time pitching. Mm -hmm. Like his ability just to shrug that off was, and we talk about being uncommon, that was uncommon. Yep. And that's one of those attributes that's gotten him where he's at today, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the pitching coach there is not able to go to that game oh. in St. Louis because their team's playing that day. Mm. 
But the next time this kid could potentially start would be on Easter Sunday. And I forget where it's at. I forget if it's San Diego or Atlanta, wherever it is. It's someplace far away. This coach has already bought a ticket Mm. to go there and see him and cheer him on. That's awesome. Now, the funny thing is, that pitching coach, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. was drafted by the Cubs back in the day. That pitching coach held Horizon League pitching records. That pitching coach pitched in A. That pitching coach had invites to spring training, had all that kind of stuff. It would be so easy for that guy to be sour grapes. Mm-hmm. This kid's getting an opportunity that I should have gotten back in the day. Mm-hmm. Whatever, right? But that that's not, he said, he's so thrilled for this guy. Man, I just, I wish we could see more of that happening in our officiating world. What yep. those former pro umpires did, what this former coach did, former player, mm-hmm. you know, man, if we would learn to be genuinely thrilled for people that good things are happening to, I, I just, I, I think that can carry us so far. Why do you think we're not like that? Well, I mean, I'm wondering, because you're right. Mm-hmm. We, we as, umpires or officials i mean you can you could take it all the way down to the junior high and high school level yep they're they i can't believe joe blow got the iesa state finals yep i what i you know i don't get it why are we so quick to judge someone's success Mm -hmm. instead of congratulating them on success instead of actually learning wondering what they did you know, my guess is, I don't know this pitching coach, but my guess is this pitching coach is going to go, is taking mental notes or even physical notes on what this kid did differently than every other kid on his staff. Yeah. And go, okay, listen, you want to be in the big leagues? Mm-hmm. You want to be in the starting rotation? Let me tell you about player A here. Yeah. This is what they did differently than no one else was doing. And if you want to get there, these are some things that you're going to have to fix and you're going to have to work on. But we don't do that. We judge. We judge in a situation where, and it, maybe it's because we're competitive, right? Everyone sure. tries to put it on the competitive side. But if you're truly competitive, then take the notes and see what they did mm-hmm. and then see if you can implement that into your game, whether it be baseball or basketball or, or football or softball. We don't care. So find a way to to see that 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 change that, that someone else is doing you know, we talked about Tim Daly. Tim, my guess is Tim Daly. If you look at 2023 to 2013, 
my guess is he made some changes in his game mm-hmm. from the past 10 years to get him to that point. He didn't sit back on his couch and go, I cannot believe, you know, so-and-so got the game before me. My guess mm-hmm. is he made changes and put him there. Now, if he wants to get to the championship game, we don't know if it's in his cards or not, but if he does, he's going to have to make some more changes yep. from the Elite Eight to the championship game. What are those What are those final four and championship officials doing? This is what they're doing. Okay, well, I'm going to learn from that. I'm not going to be mad that they got it. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could very easily look at the 11 officials that have been selected and go, why are they? And look at half of them and go, why are they, why are they doing it? And I'm not. Yep. Let me watch them. Let me study them and let me be better. That's what we should concentrate on. And I'm not saying everyone is is not like that because the, the reason we're talking about it, at least I can only speak for myself, when people are calling me and texting me, they're not calling me and texting me saying, man, so-and-so got the championship game in the Division Three. I really need to focus on what they're doing because I want to do that. They're complaining. Sure they are. Did you see? I can't believe this, you know? So, and it's okay if you not if you don't want to go there. It's okay. And that's I think that's perfectly acceptable in our profession. But then you'll also need to know that you can't complain about it either. And I, I've told people from day one of when I was a clinician at any camp, one of the things I would always say, whether in introductions or sometime during that camp, the only difference between me getting the, the conferences that I get and the assignments I get and anyone sitting out here is I decided to do it. Mm-hmm. I decided to go for it and I wanted to try it. Where we have a group of 50 or 100 officials wanting, saying, say, saying oh, I want to work a Division One base, basketball game or a baseball game. Well, what did you do? What did you do? So I, I think there's no difference between us. Anyone, anyone who can do it, they just have to decide if that's what they want to move towards undivided attention, towards elevating, not towards bringing other people down. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of evidence of it lately. And uh, the the other piece of this then that I wanted to kind of transition us to today that I think is really helpful for this time of year, especially for our baseball umpires. You know, our, our basketball officials are kind of wrapped up season. Some of this is going to be important to them when they get into camp season coming which, up. Which is the first Division one camp is in April. Yeah, like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's coming so fast. Yeah. But uh, – uh, I had, I had a call from a baseball coach. So I'm a coordinator, college baseball coordinator in an NAI conference, and I also assign some junior college as well. And then I do a lot of work with the D3 assigner in our area, uh, helping make sure stuff gets covered or whatever. So I see lots of feedback from lots of coaches, and I watch a ton of games. With everything being live streamed now, mm-hmm. I watch a ton of people work. So I got a call from a coach who is very upset and frustrated with a set of umpires, right? I go back. I watch the game. With the exception of maybe one or two interactions, those umpires did everything correct, right? Maybe there was a couple times they were a little abrasive, but you know what? After you've been listening to a coach for, you know, (laughs) seven innings, I get it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they were well within... uh, the parameters of how they should act, right? Mm -hmm. And the coach is just convinced, these are horrible umpires. Mm -hmm. 
I get a message from that coach after their very next game talking to me about how great the umpires were on this next game. Now, the first two umpires he had, umpire all the way up to the Division II and the Division I level, respectively, have been conference tournament umpires, know how to work big games, all that kind of stuff. The other two are basically in their first year of college baseball. Mm -hmm. And one of them, it was his third game ever. Mm -hmm. I was petrified to put these two <laughs> umpires on it together. I didn't have a choice because of rainouts and reschedules. Like they were who we, we've talked about availability, yeah. Trump's ability. This was one of those moments, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And it was because of where the games were at that day. It wasn't like I could even like split them up and put them with more veteran guys. Like I just, I had to let it go, you know, and I'm praying and fingers crossed and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. And this coach sends me this message saying, oh my gosh, they were great. I'd, I'd want to see them on my game anytime. Now, there are some people that would say, okay, well, there's one set of umpires that were bad and there's another set of umpires that were good. So those second set of umpires, they're better than the first set of umpires. Mm -hmm. No, they're not. The other umpires are better. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times we are judging our ability as umpires, based on how much the coaches like us. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm just telling you, as an impartial observer from the outside, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a bunch of hogwash. Yeah, right. Like, it's not true. Now, these uh, these two new guys, great guys, mm -hmm. who want to do it the right way, who are working their butt off, and they are going to be great someday. Mm -hmm. But right now, if I got to choose between the two sets, it's not a question. Right. The first set is the better set of umpires. They've had more experience. They've seen more things. Mm -hmm. They're just, their ball strikes are better. Their safe outs are better. Their timing's better. Their rules knowledge is better. All of that, mm -hmm. right? The, there were some things that these newer guys did really, really well. They had a rain delay and there had been a, a rules question and they they messaged me during the rain delay. Like they didn't wait to find out after the game. They wanted to find out now. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Like that's incredible stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But the other guys are better. So sometimes we go, well, you know, so such and such coach told me all about Jeff and he, he can't stand having Jeff on his baseball field. Well, so Jeff must not be a very good umpire. Mm, that's not what that means. <laughs> right. It may just mean that there have been two or three plays that have happened that have gone against that coach mm -hmm. and that coach can't let that go. Yeah. And associates that moment with that person. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, so-and-so said they, they love having me as their home plate umpire. Like they, they, like, they get so happy every time they see me walk out to the field. Well, maybe it's because they think they can influence your calls. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah. maybe it's because they know you won't enforce the pitch clock. Mm -hmm. And they're going to use that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is, we have to quit using those kinds of metrics to decide how good someone is or isn't. You know, we need, you know, like you said, it's not those officials' fault who chose them for the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they, somebody who has to make that decision is making that decision based on what they feel is best for the game. Well, we, we have to understand that the people ultimately making the decisions about who's really good, those people are not looking at it through the same filter that a coach is looking right. at it through. They're not even looking at it the same filter as you're looking at it through or your partner's <laughs> right, looking at it through. Right, right. You know? 
And I, I, I think we just put way too much stock sometimes in what a coach or somebody like that thinks about the work we do. Let me ask you this. Let's, let's, let's evaluate this a little bit because we do hear it all the time. This coach loves me. This coach loves mm-hmm. me. And we just think we're the best. When a coach, when you think a coach doesn't like you, yeah. what do we hear the people say? What do we hear the, the umpire say or the officials say when, hey, uh, yeah, so-and-so, coach coach over here doesn't like me. He's crazy. I'm, I'm way better than he thinks I am. Uh-huh. But when they say they like you, <laughs> they don't say, oh, he's crazy. I'm way worse than what he thinks I am. They don't say that. <laughs> they exactly go, I agree right. with that coach. That's right. It's just all it is is, is warm and fuzzies. For you, that you put into yourself, that you make yourself feel because that's how you want to feel. It's not the truth. I've heard so many people say, uh, so-and-so doesn't like me. Yeah, why is that? Well, I just, I can, I can tell they don't like me. Have they told you that? No, but I could just tell. Well, that's just you saying that. Yep. That's all that is. And if, if so-and-so likes you, yeah, they like me, how do you know? Well, did they tell you? No, they didn't tell me, but I could just tell. Well, that's just you saying that. Yeah. That is all there is to it. So we need to be very focused on what we are supposed to do as umpires or sports officials to handle the rules within the rule book and have communication that is acceptable to both teams and our coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be doing, and, and not go home. When I get done with a game, baseball or basketball, I'm not concerned if Coach A or B liked me. Mm-hmm. I'm not. What I'm concerned about is when I get home, my wife is happy to see me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm concerned about. And we put so much emphasis on that, and we try to try to you know steer our emotions in a way that's going to be great for us. So that way, when we walk on the floor or the baseball field, we're like, yep, they're happy to see me. Yeah, they ain't. My, my buddy Sam said it for years. They hate you. No matter how much they say they like you, they hate you. Because we are passing judgment. That's what we have to do. We have to make rulings that are going to go against what they feel is correct. So that, that's it. That's all there is to it. I'm going to, go to I'm going to go on the field tonight, this afternoon, and – that I've known this coach for years. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, one of my first times back. So it may go, go good. It may go bad. I don't care. That's right. I'm back. Yeah. And he very easily could say, eh, you probably should have kept it hung up. Or he, he <laughs> you know, he might even, you know, rub my back and go, I'm so glad to see you back until I go strike one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Until something, I ball a pitch that he thinks would be a strike. So, that's just part of the the deal. We put way too much emotion into and feelings into what we think other people are, are are feeling about us when it's really got nothing to do with the actual truth. Yeah, and then one last thing I just want to bring up today that I, I found was really interesting. A lot of you uh, who have listened to the podcast in the past uh, know the name Alan Jones. Uh, I'm sure. sure Jonesy is listening to this because he's been bugging us that you know podcasts have not been coming out more quickly, that kind of thing, <laughs> and. Uh, He's pretty great at that. And uh, so Alan gave me a call yesterday, day before. I forget which one now. All my days have begun to run together. He goes, I got a couple funny stories for you. And so I told one. They said, second one, he goes, do you know so-and-so? 
I'm like, well, yeah, he used to, he was an assistant coach in the Frontier League. He said, uh, well, he's now an assistant coach at this college team because that coaching staff has changed up at that Frontier League team. And, and he's, I was talking to him about, about you and asking if he knew, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the umpire that smiles all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the umpire that smiles all the time. Now he also went on to say, he's the guy that's got a blind spot on the outside corner <laughs> for a right-handed batter, you know, and, right, yeah. and they have the, the pitch tracks to prove it, you know? Yeah. So, but but I was just thinking for a second. First of all, what a reminder that the game is really, really small. Mm. And I don't care if we're talking about basketball, if we're talking about baseball, football, soccer, whatever sport you work, right? The game is small. Mm-hmm. And the person that is an assistant coach one place one year might be the head coach at another place the next year. And if you're the kind of person that when you work a certain level, you do it halfway and you take it easy, mm. but yet you show up big on the big game. Yeah. Well, what happens when that person that was the coach at the place that you just halfway did it all of a sudden becomes the assistant coach at the big place. Mm-hmm. And now they see you walk out and they turn to the head coach. You go, Oh, we're in for it today because mm-hmm. this guy's lazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're in for it today. This person, she, she doesn't, she doesn't want to work very hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and I thought, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a small, small world. The it second is. thing is people know us for something. Mm. They know us for something. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm really glad that the first thing that he said about me was he's the umpire that smiles all the time. Right. You know what? If, if, if that's the only thing I'm known for by the end of my career, I'm cool with that. <laughs> that's way better than a guy that's oh, always yeah. dropping F-bombs. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, just think about, I mean, for those of us that are in this avocation, we talk all the time about how hard it is. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time about all the obstacles that are in front of us and everything else. But guess what? We get to go be around a game. Mm. We get to go be around a game that people pay money to come watch. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. E- even if you're working junior high basketball, some grandma and grandpa is dropping $4 a piece. Yeah. Maybe two with the senior adult discount. That's right. Grandma and grandpa, right. you know. Yeah. But, but they're dropping money to come see that game. They're mm-hmm. going spending money on popcorn and Gatorade and everything else. Gas, everything. That's right. right mm-hmm. You know, And this thing that people are paying money to come see... People pay us to get to be a part of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if, if we can't bring a little bit of joy to that, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, like in, in the midst of the most, you know, tense moment ever, you're, you know, smiling like a Cheshire cat. That's not mm. what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> right. But I mean, a what pe- cat? The Cheshire cat from oh, Alice in Wonderland. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got him. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that people ought to see. We're engaged and we want to be there, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and I think that can go a long, long way. And I even saw this this last week. I had a guy. He he works Division One baseball. Works. He's he's doing Big Ten series now. And we got he last year. He was the crew chief for the D three World Series, mm-hmm. right? And great guy. Been involved in education most of his life. That kind of thing. And uh, I was I was stuck the other day, and I desperately needed somebody to work a game. And so I messaged him like, hey, is there any way it's close to where he lives, works, all kind of thing. Could, could you please go there and work? He's like, bases are plate. I said, well, it's the it's the plate spot that's open, but I know your partner. I said, and if because, you know, like when you got to get there, whatever, if you need to be on bases, your, your partner would do that for you. No problem. Just let him know. And when he saw who the partner was, he was like, oh, well, I'm with him later this week. He's got plate then. I'll take the plate. Right? I mean, not even a question. No big leaguing of mm-hmm. anything or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'll go do it. He messaged me 
the next day, actually, actually called me on the phone and said, thank you for letting me go work that game. He said, there were some things that I wanted to try differently and I wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that at my D1 weekend this weekend. This was an awesome opportunity for me to get to work on that. Thanks for giving me the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And it brought me back to conversations I've heard you say, I don't know how many times. Yeah, you're working a full D1 schedule, but occasionally you'll pick up a JUCO game. Mm-hmm. And on that JUCO game, you might you might change where you stand on the inline. Mm-hmm. You know, you might try some new phrases with coaches or whatever. But here, instead of somebody seeing, oh, well, I'm I'm working down for a game, right? Yeah. Instead, it was, this is how I get better. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, for those people that want to work the next level in the tournament, what what, what better place to go do that? Yeah, right. You know, I have other people say, well, I, I don't work that level. Yeah. Okay, well, fine. But when I see people that work at really high levels that say, I want to come work that level because I get to help other officials, mm-hmm. I get to impact them and and I get to get better, man, I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, you know, it brings up, a, this is a little bit off topic, but I wanted to run this by you because I've had this conversation and just want to know your thoughts. Let's just say you were slated for the Division II NCAA tournament. Okay. You, you've been assigned, and that, and that series starts on Monday. There's one more regular season game on Saturday. Okay. Are you doing that regular season game on Saturday? Or are you turning that back because you don't want to be injured or anything for the Division Two game on Monday? I'm working that regular season game on Saturday, no yeah. question. I had this conversation because we were referring to basketball. Yeah. And – you know, because in, in NCAA basketball, so whatever. So the tournament starts on Friday, we'll say. Travel on Thursday. Well, there's NIT games to be had, to be working on the Wednesday and Tuesday. Oh, yeah. And they, they said, well, would you work the NIT game? I'm like, well, yeah, I'd work it. Mm-hmm. But what if you get hurt and you can't work the NCAA tournament? I said, well, one, what if I don't get hurt? That's right. <laughs> and two, that is no different than if I had my first ever Big Ten game slated for Saturday but I have a Horizon League game on Friday. Mm-hmm. I don't say I'm not working the Horizon League game. That's right. So we 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 are paid to work. And, and my buddy Sam, um, I've talked about him a couple times on this podcast, but, you know, he was smart in those ways because I used to kind of think like that. I'm like, you know, hey, and I, 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 my legs only got so many games in them mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And and he was like, you, you, you need as many games as you can get. That's what you need. You need to see as many ball strikes, as many pitches as possible. Many plays at first, many double plays as you can see. So it will prepare you for what you're going to finish your career at, wherever that is. So we just – if it'd be no different, right? If I if I knew I was getting the championship game of the, of the NCAA tournament, well, I sure as heck wouldn't turn on the Elite Eight game. Mm-hmm. I'd do it because that's, that's what I need to – there may be two more plays that I need to see to prepare me for that, that final moment. So – um, well, I mean, I think a perfect example, I had a, a guy call me up just a, a couple weeks ago, his first plate game of the season was a big 10 plate game. Hmm. Okay. And he desperately wanted to see pitches in live game. Mm-hmm. The only, and he, he called up a couple people. There was no, nothing close to him that worked with his work schedule, whatever. He called me and I'm like, look, the only thing I've got is the day before your game. 
Now, a lot of people, especially at the D1 level, like they don't like working back-to-back days of plates. Mm. For those of us that work JUCO, NAIA, D3, <laughs> D2, yeah. we'll work seven plates in a week, right. you know, because we mm. got five double headers and two singles that we yeah. were assigned the plate to, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right, so we right. were 12 games and seven plates by yeah, the end of the week. Right. And some of these guys, you know, it's, it's tough to work one plate a week or whatever. But, I mean, to his credit, he said, absolutely, can I please work that game? Mm-hmm. Because he he would rather have been prepped and ready for that game, even if maybe he was going to be a little more sore or whatever, because sure. you haven't mm-hmm. used those muscles in that same way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than the other, you know, I I had I had a, a, a big plate a week and a half ago or so that I needed to to work, and I actually called my partner because I was supposed to be on bases the day before that game, and I said, "Hey, can we please switch? I need a plate that day," you know, mm-hmm. and. Well, there's a greater chance of getting injured oh, yeah. when you're working the plate. Mm-hmm. But there's also a chance for me to be a little bit better mm-hmm. that next day when I show up to work. Yeah, I I, I think it's really good stuff. You know, I, I don't know that we, we understand the value of knowing our weaknesses, our blind mm-hmm. spots, so we can work on them. Yep. Our blind spots and our weaknesses will not get any better, any more clearer. If we don't work on them, that's right. They will continue to be that. It, you know, the blind spot in the mirror. Well, it's a blind spot until you adjust your mirror, mm-hmm. <laughs> or until you move in a direction where it's not a blind spot. The other thing, a little bit off topic, and I wanted to mention this to you because, you know, I'm a book listener. Yeah, <laughs> big book listener. <laughs> um, and I've always talked about verbal judo. Yep. And we, a lot of people don't understand. You know, like, oh, Verbal Judo, yeah, it's really, you know, it's a good little book. And it's, you know, they read it once or whatever it is. And I, typically I, I read that every two or three years. But I say all that to say this. Today, my uh, uh, landscape guy came over. I said, you know, we got to get some leaves cleaned up, fresh mulch in, do some edging, stuff like that. And um, we were talking. I was like, I was just telling him, yeah, I'm pretty low key, you know. Whatever you can do to make it look better, I'm I'm good with that or whatever. And and I we were talking about snow removal, and he goes, yeah, they're either mad because we didn't come snow or come remove snow, or they're mad because we did because it didn't need to be done, mm-hmm. you know. And he says to me, I got to use that verbal judo as much as possible. And I thought for a second, this guy who we think from the outside looking in mm-hmm. is just a guy who cuts grass. Yeah. But he's really, ultimately he's a business owner yep. who's trying to run a successful business, who's trying to make his customers happy and is reading verbal judo. Yeah. He's reading. He said, and it was funny. He said, a cop told me about it, said, you need to read it, check it out. And he did. And just because now this guy is, listen, Got a face like a catcher's mitt. It's <laughs> leathery, wrinkly. <laughs> I mean, he, he's wore out. You yeah. know what I mean? Comes out, got his hat on a little crooked, smoking a cigarette. You wouldn't think of like, okay, this is a guy that's in tune to, you know, being better. But he is. Mm-hmm. It just has a different lifestyle and he wants to have a successful business. So if we as officials, where communication is even more imperative, Yep. Than having a landscaping business, and he's reading verbal judo and other books. If we're not, we're missing out. That's right. It's there's no wonder that they're upset with us half the time because we don't know how to communicate. So that was my last little. I love bit. it. 
That's great stuff. Well, everybody, I hope this has been beneficial for you as you've been taking that uncommon drive to your next game, your next workout, whatever you got going on this time of year. Uh, don't forget, please uh, leave us a review. Give mm-hmm. us a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you happen to listen to this kind of stuff. We are on YouTube now. You can search for us at Uncommon Drive on YouTube, and we're uh, throwing all this stuff up there, waving at the camera right now as mm-hmm. we go and uh, we know some people have said they've uh, appreciated having that so they can just see the funny looks that we give each other in the midst mm-hmm. of all this kind of good stuff mm-hmm. and uh, we're looking forward to being with you again soon have a great week everybody see y'all thanks for listening to the uncommon drive podcast be sure to check us out on spotify apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to leave us a five-star rating Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.